Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. You are God's little G. You are God's because you came from God. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. God came from heaven, became a man, made man into little gods. We have the potential and the capacity through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to know God, but that does not mean we are God. The Bible is very clear. There is only one God, and he will not share his glory with another. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Vindicated, the Prince of Preachers is vindicated. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you recall listening, probably not Friel, nobody listens to this program more than once. Perhaps you recall us discussing the wordless book, a gospel presentation for children to help them understand that you're black, you're red, you're white, and your gold, you say, what in the world does that mean? The wordless book is basically a book without words. Freel, we'd figured that out by ourselves because that's the, can you put the title of the wordless book on the wordless book? Because if you put the title on, it's got words. It's got words. See, this isn't easy. That's (laughs) That's the whole point of this. The modern day iterations of the wordless book, a gospel presentation, Uh, comes in many different packages. The one that we opened was, in my estimation, not as robust as it should be, not as clear, not as filled with the details as it should be. Eh, Like receiving bad instructions from somebody on how to get someplace. Eh, Well, oh, I left that part out. It's like, well, then I, mm, and we can't leave parts out of the gospel. Nor can we feel the pressure of our modern-day society that says sin is taboo, which it actually is. But their definition is you can't even talk about that subject because you're going to make somebody feel bad because nobody's a sinner because we all do that which is right in our own eyes. This particular presentation, low, low explanation of sin, although they did use the term, And they had a um, decent presentation that Jesus forgives, but it felt more like uh, so that you can just be connected to God and there was nothing about the wrath of God. And it made me a little curious because C.H. Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, used the wordless book. And I couldn't help but conclude, I suspect that the way Charles Spurgeon explained the wordless book is different than the way it is being explained today. And this is one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons I don't, but this is one of the reasons I love the internet machine because I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers courtesy of several people who sent this in. I think they were all from England. C.H. Spurgeon, the wordless book. Jimmy, I actually have his sermon. Uh We've got it in writing. So let's listen to the way that Charles Spurgeon presented the gospel, courtesy of the wordless book. And if you heard that preceding broadcast, which I I know you didn't, but if you did, you'll remember it's like, well, they didn't really explain sin, a violation of God's law, and that it damns, and that it's the wrath of God that's our big problem. Uh, And it's, it's not just mere separation from God. It's separation from God's goodness, but not separation from him. Nobody's going to be separated from God in hell. You go, wait a second. It says that we're going to be separate. We're going to be separated. We, they, 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 I meant to say they. They're going to be separated from God's goodness. 
But God is still going to be present and running and stoking the flames of perdition. And they're going to feel it. They're going to feel the wrath of God. They're separated from his goodness. When we just say, hey, you're going to be separated from God, the thinking atheist is going to go, whoo, that's a relief because I don't dig him now. And I don't think I want to spend eternity with him. So I'm glad for the good news that I'm going to be separated from God. So we need to be precise. And listening to Charles Spurgeon, I'm going to break a radio rule and probably read more than I should. I think this is going to do your soul some good. How are you feeling today, Christian? How are you dealing with all of the stuff you see going on in the world? Are you you joy-filled? It's funny, last night in Bible study, we were going through the book of Philippians. I'm going to grab it because I don't know about you, But in our world where we're exposed to so much stuff, I think we can lose our way and kind of forget the important stuff and what's really going on around us. Paul is writing to the Philippians. In Acts 16, he had started this church under no small drama. (laughs) People getting arrested, thrown in prison, released earthquakes. Wow! And yet, a church grew. And Paul, having been in prison, then goes on his way, planting more churches. And now we're seeing a decade later, this letter being written to the apostle Paul. And we know it as the joyful letter, don't we? And if you if you read all of the introductions in all of Paul's epistles, you, you get varying shades of his, well, I'll, I'll just use the word mood. In the book of Galatians, he ain't in a good mood. You feel it. I am amazed that you are walking away from great. I mean, it's like, whew, that's sharp, Paul. In the other epistles, you've got varying shades of, I'm writing as an apostle because I need to instruct you on these matters. The book of Philippians feels different. Just listen to it, if you will. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Now listen, listen to what makes him joyful. It's the very thing that will make us joyful. Here it is. I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel. Now, you could interpret that a lot of different ways, apply it certainly a thousand different ways, but I think we need to scoot down to verse 12 to understand just why it is that Paul, while sitting in a Roman prison, which could not have been a picnic, was so filled with just, it. you feel it jumping off the page. I'm just so filled with joy here. It wasn't because of the food. It wasn't because of the the soft, cushy furniture that was provided for him and a big screen TV. That's 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 not what made him joyful. What was it? Something about the gospel. Here it is in verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me, all right, beatings, shipwrecks, being imprisoned, the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of 
the gospel. What is making Paul happy despite his circumstances? Well, I think he was finding joy in other believers. That was mentioned last night in Bible study by an astute attendee. He he was looking at them and going, look at God working in them. You make me happy to see you. And that should make you happy on Sunday morning too when you go to church. Should make you happy. Look at these people. They could have been sitting in their in their lazy boy, sipping coffee on a Sunday morning, listening to the Commodores and just thinking, this is easy. Nope. Got out of bed probably earlier than they wanted to. They got everybody dressed and cleaned up, came to church. Look at God working. Look at the gospel going. Jesus atoning work. It's active. Look at that. And Paul found joy and we should too. And that's why it is my hope that this Spurgeon sermon will bring you joy because, well, he'll explain it. And and we'll keep in mind the wordless book to hear the difference between the two. His text is Psalm 51, 7. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And so he goes on, and by the way, he's mentioning the wordless book in the sermon. Number one, let us look at the black leaf. If you recall, a modern day version didn't make sin sound all that black. Spurgeon, the blackness of such a peculiar kind, it was it required a miracle to cleanse it away. David had committed the horrible sin of adultery, which is so shameful a sin that we can only allude to it with bated breath. It is a sin which involves such unhappiness to others besides the persons who commit it. And it's a sin which, although guilty ones may repent, cannot be undone. It is altogether a most foul and outrageous crime against God and man. And they who have committed it do indeed need to be washed. Preacher, keep preaching the law. Do not make what is black gray or beige or taupe or cream colored. We need to know our sins are so bad. Why? because it's going to help us to know that the Savior is so good. And I'm going to be so excited that he saved me. And then when I look around at other pathetic sinners like Jimmy, I can have joy in my heart because look, he saved him. We saved him. He saved us. Dude, we have been rescued from the pit. Mm -hmm. And it should bring us some joy, but not without preaching on sin. He continues for three pages on sin. Three pages. David's sin was greater because of the circumstances. He was like the owner of a great flock. You know, the Nathan parable. How horrible it is that that man who had fellowship with God should have sinned in this foul fashion. David had received so many providential mercies, and yet he sinned. It was further aggravation of David's sin that it was committed against Uriah, a faithful servant. Here it comes. Get ready, Christian. But now, turning from David, let us consider our own blackness in the sight of God. And we will do that next for our joy on Wretched Radio. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer 
convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, being a part of the Wretched family without even realizing it, you have become an unofficial encourager. When you listen to and you share our posts on social media and YouTube, you're actually encouraging not just us, but the other people that you're in connection with. So you are an unofficial encourager. We want to talk about upgrading that role from encourager to actually a frontline partner. And so I'm inviting you to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Think about it. Imagine with your support we could reach not just millions, but gazillions. All right, maybe not gazillions, but a lot of souls all over the world with the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are not in place in your life right now where you can do that, understand that we are still so appreciative of all of your encouragement. Wretched.org slash donate. That's where you'll find all of the answers to all of the questions that you possibly would ever have about becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched books of the bible the book of Job answers the question, why do the righteous suffer? When Job loses everything, his friends blame him. But when Job questions the Lord, he responds, God is sovereign and he is good. His ways are beyond our understanding. When you suffer, know that God is in control. He has his own purposes that you may not understand. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Ready to look in the mirror, Christian? This is Wretched Radio. Charles Spurgeon, 150 years ago, uh, preaching from Psalm 51, Wash me and I will be whiter than snow, using the wordless book, which apparently had been used for a long time before Charles Spurgeon got a hold of it. It is a presentation of the gospel by simply explaining the colors on the pages. And Charles Spurgeon spent a third of the sermon on the black page, the sin page, talking first of all about the egregious nature of David's sin with Bathsheba, Uriah the Hittite, 
covering it up. Whoa! And then Spurgeon takes the mirror and says, now let's just take a little look at you. Uh, He's preaching to a church. How instructive. He's preaching to a church. I got to tell you, if you haven't read a Spurgeon sermon for a long time, they're not easy to read. I will grant you that. They're dense. But you will hear a pastor's heart that pleads with people. And he's mindful, he's not seeker sensitive, but he is seeker aware that there are people in that church that aren't saved. And you hear him calling out, hey, 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 hey. He also has, you're going to hear this, a tender pastor's heart toward those who are actually afraid to come to Jesus because they don't think they can be forgiven. Wow. The Prince of Preachers, Mr. Flamethrower, tender heart. The blackness of sin, turning from David, let us consider our own blackness. Is there not, my dear friend, a peculiar blackness about your case as a sinner before God? I can't picture it, but I ask you to call it to remembrance. Now that your soul may be humbled on account of it, perhaps you're the child of Christian parents. You had religious impressions early on, or you've been favored by God, yet you've sinned against him sinned against light and knowledge, sinned against a mother's tears, a father's prayers, and a pastor's admonitions and warnings. You were ill once, thought you were going to die. The Lord spared your life, restored you to health, and you went back to your sin as a dog returning to his vomit or the sow that is washed to her wallowing in the mire. Oof, oof. It is my conclusion these days, that the culture has influenced us all more than we think. I, 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 myself, believe me, <laughs> I'm not pointing a finger on this one. I'm just telling you, the world screams, be nice or else, which is kind of ironic, wouldn't you say? And so we, we want to be nice and we want to be thoughtful. And I do believe there is a sense in which the Christian should be aware of its culture so that when you present harsh truths, they don't think that you're just being harsh. So it requires a lot of context and explanation. But I do believe that we have been, we felt the political correctness make its way into our own hearts, which means we kind of want to, kind of want to whitewash stuff. We want to, we want to be nice. We let's 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 not talk about sin being disgusting. That's going to make people feel bad. Exactly the point. They're supposed to feel bad. Charles Spurgeon, he lived at a time when you could preach like this, but that's irrelevant. The question is not, how should I preach in light of the epoch in which I'm living? How does God want me to preach? No, I'm not advocating for unreasonable fire and brimstone preaching, but the reality is our faith has something to do with fire and brimstone doesn't it? Have we perhaps capitulated to culture and become too politically correct ourselves to the detriment of those who listen to us? Let me, beloved, before I turn away from this black leaf, urge you to study it diligently and to try to comprehend the blackness of your heart and the depravity of your lives. That false peace which results from light thoughts of sin is the work of Satan. Get rid of it at once. If he has wrought that in you, do not be afraid to look at your sins. Do not shut your eyes to them, for you hide your face from them, maybe to your ruin. That is a good word. Having said that, 
that is not the only place we look. We do have to get to the second leaf, which back then was the red leaf of the wordless book. Charles Spurgeon, when the sinner cries, wash me, there must be some fount of cleansing where he can be washed whiter than snow. And so there is. But there's nothing common about the crimson blood of Jesus that can wash out your stain. What is there about Jesus Christ that makes him able to save all those who come to him? This is a matter upon which Christians ought to meditate much and often. Please note, you should look at your sin, turn your gaze in disgust of yourself, and then put your eyes on Jesus and look at him, look at him, look at him, look at him, study him. Think about him, what it took to deliver you. Think about these things. Here's a word Spurgeon used, feel it. Well, wait, hold it. We're not supposed to be feeling things. We're too biblical for that. No, biblical Christians should feel it based on truth and knowledge. Feel that Christ's blood was shed for you. I know that there are people in the tens and tens of folks listening to this here wretched radio program who will not let themselves do that. I can't. What I did was too black. It was too dirty. I can't feel the blood cleansing me. I can't. Christian, try. He wants you to. Isn't that what we're told? That you should be striving to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. You feel it. Work on it. Just keep studying him and, and let, it, let it get in. Just let it. It's okay. He wants you to feel good. Maybe you're accustomed to just feeling rotten about your sin. You, you've got a past. We've all got a past. Your past, it just keeps haunting. It's screaming louder than the cross. You, you need to dull its voice, turn down the volume, and listen to Jesus say, white as snow, white as snow. And it doesn't end there. It can't end there. Feel it. Feel it. Does God want you to be crabby, complacent, or filled with joy? That was rhetorical. The power of Jesus to cleanse from sin must lie first in the greatness of his person. He goes on to describe that this is this Jesus is amazing. He's the God-man. Look at him. The power of the cleansing blood must also lie in the intense sufferings which he endured in making atonement for his people. Spurgeon brings up a most excellent point. Let's be honest. While, while you and I, as Bible-believing Christians, we, we don't like sin, we have grown accustomed to it, haven't we? And we have a tendency to even see it in our own lives and just kind of, you know, yeah, it's bad. Think about how revolting it was to Jesus Christ to have your sin put on himself, the one who is whiter than snow. Think about that. How, how, how must Jesus have felt while being identified as a pornographer, as a rapist, as a murderer, as a blasphemer, got put on him? His sufferings, intense. And Spurgeon points that out, and we should think about those things. We don't shrink from sin as Christ did because we're accustomed to it. It was once the element in which we lived and moved, had our being, but his holy nature shrank from evil as a sensitive plant recoils from the touch. But the worst of the sufferings, writes Spurgeon, the Father's wrath. That is what Jesus, 
God's wrath being poured upon him. Why? Because that's going somewhere. God's wrath is going to land on someone, and it's either going to be the sinner or it was his son. And that's why we can't water down the law. That's why we can't water down the wrath of God. No, we're not going to return, whether accurate or not, in our mind, this puritanical hum-glum, drum-blum, blum. By the way, that's not the way the Puritans were. They, They rejoiced in their salvation. It must be a great atonement which is yet to bring innumerable myriads into the unity of the faith and the glory of the church of the firstborn. It is so great an atonement, sinner, that if you will trust it, you will be saved by it, however many and great your sins have been. Are you afraid that the blood of Christ is not powerful enough to cleanse you? Do you fear his atonement cannot bear the weight of such a sinner as you? And then he tells the story of a woman who feared walking over a bridge that it might collapse underneath her weight. And then seeing people crossing it and carts and wagons crossing it, she finally had the courage to step on it. Does that describe you, sinner? You're afraid to put your sin on Jesus because he can't bear it? He already did. And if you're a believer, you've repented, you put your trust in Jesus Christ, but you will not allow yourself to feel it, I would like to plead with you today to start Don't expect it perhaps to happen in an instant, but know that you are given permission to feel that Jesus Christ, the God-man, died for your sins and you're white as snow, white as snow, and you can rejoice in that. Can you rest in that? Can you trust that? Will you stop calling your Savior a liar by not feeling the joy of his salvation? He wants you to feel that joy. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, up in Maine this week, politicians consider designating their state as a sanctuary for minors that seek transition treatments that are banned elsewhere. The legislation proposed would shield families traveling for controversial surgeries and drugs outlawed in over a dozen other states. And the sponsors of the bill denied targeting vulnerable kids despite marketing to vulnerable kids. Um, it's all just so upside down, isn't it? Well, on the matters of gender identity, a new survey has found that nearly 30% of young adults today identify as LGBTQ, a dramatic spike from previous generations, of course, because it's trendy, right? Researchers attribute the surge to widespread cultural grooming, pressuring youth into trendy identities. That's exactly what I just said. All right, maybe I should have read ahead. Anyway, in environmental irony, a New Jersey ban on plastic bags to save sea turtles appears to be killing more wildlife instead. Officials admit the restrictions backfired, increasing plastic use over threefold. It turns out folks still needed bags, so the virtue signaling to criminalize grocery sacks literally created more pollution and harm to those cute little reptiles after all. Well, in Ohio, Republicans banned transgender treatments for minors along with males competing in sports after overrides of the governor's veto. The victory reinforces student safety, ethical medicine, and equal opportunity for female athletes despite the governor siding with LGBT pressure. 
Overseas Muslim gangs killed three more Christians in another violent attack in Uganda. A church elder and his two sons died after rivals assaulted their family over conversions to Christianity in the majority Islamic nation. Persecuted believers in that area face constant threats like vandalism and assault under the militant oppression against those who are leaving Islam behind. And in India, radical nationalists are continuing to escalate their hatred towards Christians in the world's second most populous country. Hindu extremists often violently target small villages with false accusations of forced conversions. And as we tell you so frequently and nearly daily here at Wretched, make sure that you continue to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world. That's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like census literalis. The Bible is to be read in the literal sense, the way the author and original audience would have understood it. There is no code, no secret meaning to be uncovered. The Bible is plainly written so that all people can know God through its pages. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All right, prisoner, listen up. This is Wretched Radio. You say, what kind of prisoner are you barking at, Friel? Is this some sort of metaphorical prisoner? I'm a prisoner of my passions. No, I'm talking about prisoners. You're sitting in a jail cell as you listen to this here Wretched Radio program, most likely, most likely through podcast, maybe on a Christian radio station. I'm talking to you. Maybe you're considering Christianity. Maybe you done got saved. Maybe you are currently born again, or maybe you are in a panic about your future. How will a felon be able to live in our society? I'd like to talk to you for a moment because we have been doing this for years here at Wretched. And honestly, I don't know why we have not been more aggressive about this. We'll receive letters like the one I'm holding in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers from David. Dear GPM, I'm writing on behalf of reading material. I have three years to do, and I thirst to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. We send him that stuff, and we want to send that stuff to you. And I actually feel bad that we've never said this publicly. I don't think we have, Jimmy, but we should have. If you're a prisoner and you would like some of our materials, you just let us know. You just tell us, and it's on its way, lickety-split. We'll send it to you, obviously, for free. But here's, here's, here's what you do need to do, though. Make sure you give us the right instructions, because we've learned over the years, if you don't have it pristine, exactly right, it gets thrown away. And, and you'll never get it. So, so make sure, take a look at the handbook, ask somebody, is this the mailing address where I can get something from a publisher? Because that's kind of how they screen it, too. It's a package. If it's from a publisher, you can get it. And we we I, we can't, every, every prison has different rules, slightly different rules. We can only send so much stuff at a time. So go to our website, look for the stuff you're interested in, and just send us a letter saying, what could I have, or if you just say, I want anything, then we'll just send you some stuff. I know what, I know what we're going to send this guy. We're sending him Jesus Unmasked. Because he wants to know, I thirst, isn't that sweet to hear? I thirst to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're, we've already sent it, I believe. 
Yeah, no, we didn't because I wanted to write a note in it. So it will be on its way soon, David. And if you would like some of our stuff too, because you are in a prison, all you need to do is just go to wretched.org, look for the address to send us letters. You'll find it there. Send it and we will be blessed to provide those materials. You will, you'll bless us. We, we, we'll do it, not begrudgingly, we'll do it with joy. And might I do another shout out? Uh, if, if you happen to be a, a gospel partner and you support this ministry, um, you're giving these resources too, okay? We're doing this together. This is, this is one big, happy, kumbaya Christian family where we're all doing our bit. So, so know that. Get, take some joy in that. Feel good about feel good about that. I gotta tell you, Jimmy, I think I think that the heaviness of our society, the, the heaviness of the sometimes inside of the evangelical community, it can rob us of something. It mm. can just it can just steal joy. And I don't want to walk around all Joel Osteen, yippy skippy, pretending to be happy when I'm not. No, there's a time for this. There's a time for that. There's a season for different feelings. But let's be careful that we don't we don't lose our joy. I got to tell you, I I just I got to tell you, um, I I don't think it's me. I don't think it's a placebo. Going to church regularly with God's people, it's good. It's good. And, and might I just encourage you if, you, if you're going to church and hanging with God's people and maybe you haven't left feeling a little bit buoyed by your experience, what are you talking about? Are you bringing it in to the church? I, I, I can't help but think, the devil delights in our distractions, loves it. He hates Jesus so much, and by extension, he hates you. And he doesn't want you talking about him. He doesn't want you thinking on good things. He doesn't want you to know that something positive happened in somebody's life, that God is at work, that God is good. He doesn't want you to hear any of that. Because that's just going to encourage you. You say, give me a Bible verse. I give you Acts 2, 42 and 43. Fellowshipping is a way to feed you. And if we're using our fellowship time to just keep talking about politics, to just keep talking about social issues, I'm not saying they don't have their place. That's not my point. My point, you know, actually, my point might be this. We need to do better at understanding somebody's point without missing the point, because it maybe sheds a light on a subject to me that is very dear. My point is not that we are concerned in any degree about social issues and the crumbling of an entire civilization, which is exactly what is going on right now. It has its place. But maybe keep it out of fellowship. How's a When I first got saved... Uh, you know, it's it's funny how the Lord takes stuff out of you progressively. And, and, and I remember the joy of the Lord so 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 vividly. But I also remember simultaneously, initially, not being that nuts 
about being around a lot of Christians. Okay, I'm just I'm just telling you. I'm just look, I'm not boasting on this, just the opposite. I thought I was too cool for everybody else. There you go. And I didn't really enjoy that company as much as the company of cool people. Sin, sin, absolute sin. God has so changed that. <laughs> Man, if you, if you gave me the option of, ha- of having dinner with a cool, famous person who isn't a believer versus a not cool Christian who is a believer, I'm taking the latter every time. I don't care about their status anymore. Isn't that an amazing work of God? Now, do you know what I just did to you? I hope that was an encouragement to you. Look at what God did to that tall, skinny geek, that dork who actually thought he was cool (laughs) and only thought he could hang with cool people. And now he absolutely loves being with other Christians. That's not a Todd work. Sorry for this. It's a God work. That's him doing stuff. And when we get together and we're willing to sometimes be appropriately transparent and share, you know, this is what I used to be like. Now I'm that, you know what that might do for somebody? Okay. Here again, I I understand discretion and we can practice Christian discretion. You, You don't need to blop everything. You don't need to give us every sort of detail. But what if, sir, what if, at a table, you're hanging out, you're just sitting around after Bible study, and, and you're you're just chatting. And what if you said, you know, it's amazing. I'm I'm looking at the calendar and I realized God has given me so much joy that I haven't looked at porn in 10 years. And there's a guy sitting there who's currently stewing in a porn swamp. And he hears you say that. And maybe he hears, do you mean? There's hope for me that that could be me. How might you be ministering to that individual? But it's not going to happen. There won't be fellowship feeding, a la Acts 2, 42 and 43, if we aren't doing those things with one another. Yeah, fine. What'd you think of the game? What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you think about the way collegiate football is ranked? Fine. But that's, 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 that is piffle. That is, that is, that is, that is, that is just chaff that flies away. The, 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 the wheat that will, will spring a glorious harvest is talking about the Lord working in our lives, doing stuff, fixing marriages, fixing marriages. You've heard those stories happen. How's about you share? Okay, I will, without being indiscreet. I was a massive, massive, awful husband. I'm, and I still can be, believe me, believe me. I was the, wow, the stuff that I said oh, to another man's daughter and to an image bearer of God. Oh, my Oh my, and he saved me, and I can still be a jerk, but I'm not as, not as awful as I was. And you should know that God works in everybody's life, and you should be encouraged to go, wow, look at the work that the Lord has done in that pill's life. 
God is amazing. That's the point of fellowship. Are you doing it? This is Wretched Radio. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should, and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful, but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st, and we, together, can make a difference. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle, and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope, that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with. And it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford revelation general revelation is god's act of making himself known through his creation a part of general revelation is the sensus divinatus a sense of the divine god has given every person an undeniable awareness of his existence There are no true atheists, only rebels in denial of what every person knows to be true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, I uh, sure biffed that one. This is Wretched Radio, Jimmy. I set myself up on a tee. 
And this pastor just swung and missed. We were talking about prisoners and that we would love to send you a prisoner wretched resources. So just send us a letter. Go to the site. You'll find it. Send us a letter and we'll send you stuff somehow. I don't know how, because frankly, I can't explain ADHD. We got into the subject of fellow Christian fellowship mm-hmm. and sometimes sharing with other people how the Lord is working in our lives. And not to get salacious, but to say, you know, hey, I just, y'all, the Lord strengthened me so much this week. I'm telling you, it feeds people. And if you're surrounding yourself with people who do likewise, it'll feed you. Don't turn it into a thing. All right, this is the time where somebody's got to share how bad they were and then God made them go. Don't, don't, just let, just natural, organic. Let it happen. You feed people. And you get encouraged by seeing, wow, that dude used to be this. Now he's that. That's amazing. And I missed it, Jimmy. I should have connected it to prisoners. Mm. Because those who are in prison who get born again, they are no doubt thinking about leaving prison and entering into society. And you're thinking, huh, I can't let anybody know about that. Or I, I can't integrate into society because I've got a criminal record. Wrong. That is not what Christianity is about. Your record has been righted. The sin, whatever your, whatever your crime against society was, that's a government issue. The religious issue, the Christian issue is whatever that crime was, was a sin gone. And if you're thinking, ooh, I can't go to church and ever disclose to anybody. If anybody finds out, or perhaps you're living underneath a shroud, maybe you're out and you're going to church and you've been thinking, if anybody finds out, if anybody finds let me, let me, let me, Jimmy, you pull me back from this line if you think that it's, if, if I've crossed it. Okay. You, you got saved, released from prison, and you haven't told anybody in your church. Look, I'll leave that up to you. All right. I will leave that up to you. But here's, here's where you can tell me if I've crossed the line, Jimmy. If you do disclose it and get shunned, go look for another church. Go find another place because that isn't Christianity. And if you're surrounded by people who feel like they can't be around somebody who is apparently as bad as you, they don't know their own badness. And you might want to find a better culture to be growing in. Did I cross the line with that? Did not. Absolutely did not. It always bums me out when somebody comes up with something good and then it gets ruined (laughs) because it gets overused or because it just becomes so cliche. All right. What is church? It's a hospital for sick. Why? Why do I? It's like, yeah, it's been used. And then worse than that. It's been used by people to suggest that in church, sin should never be discussed. Hey, we're just a bunch of sinners here. Let's not ever be judgmental. And so it's been abused. But that is the reality. Now, it's not the totality of church, but it's a part of church, isn't it? Is there anybody there who wasn't a sick sinner? Anybody? Not even the pastor. I can't think of anybody. No, that doesn't mean we wallow in our sin. We just sit around going, yeah, I'm just a sinner. So I 
I can't do any good for the kingdom. And you can't blame me for sinning again because I'm just a sinner in a hospital. Duh. Not that. <laughs> but shouldn't there be some of that in the church? Shouldn't there be some of that? And this is, we, we, are, we are so prone to grab something and then extreme it. And so, 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 hey, hey, we need to be the church of the, uh, the first Christian hospital church of six sinners. And that's all we focus on. <clears throat> we do that. Don't do that. But let's make sure in our churches that somebody coming in who really is dealing with their sin and they really do have a past that they that they know, hey, white as snow, white as snow. Sinners, yep, sinners come. They come to Jesus. God flips the page. It is a different story now. And you can have a place here. And, and please know it. I'm not thinking of any particular sin here. And I recognize that sometimes there are actually some instances of sin where church elders need to be involved with that for safety reasons, perhaps, wisdom reasons. No, I'm not thinking of anything, but but all should be welcome. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever. Did you know that a Democrat could actually get saved? I know, I know that sounds crazy right now. And it really does, doesn't it? We are so consumed by the election. Oh, there's another warning for you. Frio, would you quit whinging and preaching and telling us what we're to feel and think about. Fair enough. This election that's coming up, it's, 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 it's very, very powerful in its attraction and to be the, the center of a conversation or a meal. I'm not saying it's a sin to talk about this stuff. I get it. I get it. But there's there's better things to talk about. There you go. Let me paint this in a positive light. There's just better things to talk about. Starting with Jesus and ending with Jesus. Just better. And I know there's maybe something inside of you that goes, but that doesn't feel better. Because, you know, I like, I like that subject. Well, you know what I would say to you? That's fine. You like that subject. But you really should be working on liking Jesus a whole lot more. That, that talking about him is a delight. And you say, well, it isn't at the moment. Then you know what my recommendation would be? Talk about him. You say, but that's the very thing that I don't want to. But I'm telling you, you need to do that. And then you are going to want to. Because that's just how it works. You can't get out of the sanctification vortex. You cannot escape the promise of 2 Corinthians 3.18. God has removed the veil from your face. And now you can see Jesus. But when you first get saved, you only get a glimpse. You get just a you just get like a side angle at best, almost like you're peering through a cracked door. You get that one. And then progressively, if you just keep staring, that door gets open further and further, and you get to see him more and more, and it becomes increasingly glorious and enjoyable. And the center of your life, he's just better. So listen to political podcasts if you'd like to that's fine but just remember your diet and your balance and it'll be better for you this is actually preached about this last week and i maybe we'll 
We'll spend some time talking about it here someday. Uh, Start looking at temptation a different way. Temptation itself isn't a sin because if it were, Jesus would have sinned because he is tempted just as we in every regard and yet he did not sin. So temptation has a line where if you stay on the right side of it, it is merely a temptation. It is not a strike. You cross the line into entertaining it, musing on it, planning it, and then, of course, carrying it out, says James chapter 4. Now, then you've given birth to sin. But being tempted should actually be looked at, I think, a little bit differently. I'm not suggesting we put down our armor, just the opposite. But I am saying that when you are tempted, you got a choice. You have an option in front of you. I think I was just seeing this in Romans chapter 5 or 6, but when, when, you, when, when, you, when you want to do something and it's like, there it is, it's in front of me, I, c- I can do that thing, but that thing is going to be a sin. Look at it as an, as an opportunity to worship God. Stop looking at it as, oh, I wanted to, okay, fine, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to do it. No. All right. Saying no to that, I'm saying yes to the Lord. Saying, I don't want the lesser thing. I want the greater thing. I don't want to worship Satan. I want to worship Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a bondservant to sin. I want to be a slave of Jesus Christ because he's the most benevolent master. And this little denial of self is an expression, a small offering to him because of what he has done for me. And it'll feel good. I promise you, have you ever met a Christian who said, can we talk for a second? Um, I was at my computer last night and uh, I resisted the temptation, but I wish I hadn't. I really wish I'd watched porn instead. Never, never. Why? Because denying temptation is worship. It's obedience. It's a priority issue. Do it. You don't feel like it. Do it. You'll feel good. It's not the best motive, but it doesn't, it'll get replaced by a better motive. Just be obedient. Do it. Read your Bible. Fellowship with other people. Talk about Jesus. Spend time looking. Have your conversations around, and it'll feel good. It'll bless you. That's my point. It'll bless you because he always gives blessings with his promises and commands. Do it and experience the joy of the Lord. So... 2024 election, come on! We got better things to talk about. And until tomorrow, go serve your kingdom.